0: The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Let's pray together. So Father, we do thank you that we don't have a dead hope but a living hope. Hope that's alive today and will extend into eternity. And so as we look at this story and we see you Working to seek and save the lost. Would we both be reminded of the way that You miraculously work to save us, to raise us up from the dead by Your Gospel? And would we be reminded that You are still working, still reigning, and would we be eager to participate in Your work? We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, on Easter, it's common for us to recount kind of all of the historical facts surrounding the empty tomb. We have these historical witnesses. We have the apologetic of the fearful disciples who are turned into bold followers willing to die for the name of Jesus. We have extra biblical historical documents that testify that there really was a man named Jesus who really lived a prominent life really did die death on a cross, and whose tomb really was discovered to be empty. We have the apologetic of, of us in this room, the church, alive here 2,000 years later. So if you came with someone this morning, got dragged here, and you're a skeptic, I only say that to say, I hope you'll give us a shot this morning. hope that you'll tune in and listen to the story and think to yourself, is this true? Is this true? Real. The resurrection of Jesus, while a miraculous and divine event, I would argue is very reasonable when all the evidence is weighed. I also want to speak to those of you that are regular churchgoers but skeptics in another way. So we gather on this day and celebrate that our King and Savior who bore our sins on the cross on Good Friday got up out of the grave on Resurrection Sunday. Praise God. Our King is alive. Because of the cross, our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. That is amazing news. And because of the resurrection, the last enemy of death has been decisively overcome. Yet sometimes, if you're like me, we live the rest of our lives in a frustrated and fearful state of mind. And what I don't want today to be for you is just a shot of adrenaline. Adrenaline doesn't solve anything. Our sinful hearts, the sin all around us, and the suffering all around us slowly conspire to beat us down. Kids, have you ever had just a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Why do adults love that book? Because we've had those kind of days. Maybe you've had a few in a row in 2020 and 2021. Perhaps you've resigned yourself, even as a Christian who believes Jesus is alive, to simply surviving rather than thriving in your life in Christ. So I just want to remind you at the very beginning of this sermon on Resurrection Sunday that the first few verses of Acts tell us that Jesus is still alive. He's still reigning. And He's still working among us. I don't want you to only have resurrection hope once per year. Like this adrenaline rush that's supposed to carry you through the rest of the year. And really it wears out by Wednesday. What I want is for you to believe in the power of the risen Savior day by day. Do you believe that Jesus is still reigning and working in your life? Do you? Like, ask yourself the question. Use the adrenaline to muster up a yes this morning that you try to believe going forward. Do you believe He's still reigning and working in you? The most broken, horrible, Ugly parts of you no one else has seen. Do you believe you're still reigning and working in your relationships? Do you believe you're still reigning and working in your worst suffering? Do you believe you're still reigning and working in your parenting? Reigning and working in your family? Reigning and working in your neighborhood? Reigning and working and going to the nations? Do we believe that? Or is this morning all the songs just an adrenaline rush? We ought to lament the sin in us and around us. We ought to lament the suffering and the brokenness, but we don't lament as those with no hope. We don't need to. We don't lament as though our Savior is dead and buried and the game is over. No, we lament like every day is filled with the hope of a buzzer beater driving down the court with three seconds left and it goes in every single time for the Christian. Every single time in those moments, like last night as I'm watching, we live for that elation and that elation is an emotion that reminds us that the Christian always wins. There is final victory in Christ and we have it every single day. We lament with a big hope that the King of Kings is alive and working and intends to keep redeeming and restoring until the day He comes back and makes all things new. So if you're new with us Today here, I just want to catch you up with a couple sentences. We've been in the book of Acts. We've seen Jesus rise from the dead, send His Holy Spirit to His disciples, send them out. Those disciples have now been scattered because of persecution. We've been talking about how persecution has always happened in the history of the church. The church has always been persecuted. Empires, kings have always tried to snuff out the church. And yet, here we are today in Lakeville, Minnesota, pretty far from Jerusalem and Samaria, pretty far from Ethiopia, which is now Sudan, alive and singing because our Savior is still alive and working. And in this text today, we see the King of Kings alive and in action to seek and to save the lost. So let's dive into this text. It is an awesome text. Point number one the leading providence of the living Christ. So I think Luke the author of Acts wants us to see how the risen Christ is constantly working in the details to seek and to save the lost. So look at verse 25 if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you got with you peek on with someone else to get a big picture summary of what's happening. It says now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord that's the apostles They returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So the gospel is now spreading beyond Jerusalem. Going to Samaria to a people that were despised and rejected by the Jews. This is a gospel that is for all people who will trust in Jesus. A gospel that will go to the nations. If you're here today and you felt ignored maybe even despised by society, this good news is for people just like you. If you're here today and you think you've sinned too much for Jesus to ever save you, come back next week and hear Bruce talk about the Apostle Paul who was a murderer of the church and God reached in and saved. The gospel continues to spread beyond Jerusalem fulfilling the promise Jesus made in chapter 1 that it would spread to the ends Of the earth. So last week, we left Philip preaching the good news of Jesus, healing all sorts of people, and just this massive revival breaking out with the power of the gospel and the power of healing. And if you ask me, right, that's the kind of time you want to stay in that place. Just keep ministering there. It's a successful ministry, but now we begin to see the leading providence of God. So I just want to walk through this first point. And show you how God is leading in His providence in this story. So look at verse 26, for example. An angel of the Lord shows up and directs Philip to leave his successful ministry in Samaria and literally head out to the middle of nowhere. Hey, I know things are going really well here. People are being saved and baptized and healed. But why don't you actually head out to the middle of the desert? Or verses 27 to 28. We see the providence of God as an Ethiopian eunuch, a high-ranking official in the court of the queen, is on his way back from worship in Jerusalem. Now, put this in perspective. This is about a 1,500-mile journey both ways. Right? This is a five-month journey both ways. What are the chances that someone's just going to bump into him in the middle of his five-month journey in the desert? Or, notice this, this eunuch is of a different ethnicity, and this is the beginning of the gospel going to the ends of the earth, the the keeping of the promise from chapter 1. The gospel is for every class, for every ethnicity. In fact, this eunuch, because of his status, status as a eunuch and his ethnicity, would have only been able to go to the court of the Gentiles when he was in Jerusalem for worship. In other words, he would have been shut out from the most intimate fellowship and worship of god but here he's about to find out in the middle of the desert after his journey to worship now he's on his way back he's in the middle of the desert and here is where he finds out i can have access to the holy of holies i can have access 24 7 access to the king of kings and there's a day coming when i'm going to worship around the throne with every tribe tongue people language and nation for all of eternity or in verse 29 the holy spirit tells philip get over to that chariot Or in verses 30 to 31, as Philip gets to him, we discover this eunuch returning from Jerusalem is reading Isaiah 53. Wouldn't you like someone to be reading Isaiah 53 and ask you about it if you want to share the gospel with them? And then, not only is he reading it, but he says, could you tell me about this? Who is this guy? What's going on? And then in verses 36 to 38, they just happen to come upon some water in the desert. You can go back and study the history. There are not many places where there was water. But they just happen to come upon some water so this unit can immediately declare himself a follower of Jesus in the waters of baptism. Right? It's not like they could just heat up or not heat up, I guess. <laughs> the baptismal and say, we're going to do it today. Right here they are in the middle of the desert. And here's some water. Let's declare you a follower of Jesus while I'm with you. Do you see in the story the providential leading of of the living Christ here to seek and to save the lost of all nations. Do you see it? This is not coincidence. God will orchestrate every detail it takes to seek and to save the lost. And maybe today, sitting in this room, maybe even against your will, you're that eunuch. Perhaps God has been arranging people and places to help you hear about him. And I'm just begging you today, listen. Listen, he's been working and arranging. Kids, have you ever done a really big puzzle? And ever gotten a little frustrated because it was hard to put together and maybe you couldn't find that last piece? Right? We lose the last piece of like everything, every game, everything in our house. right? We never have all the pieces. Well, God is not like us. Isn't that good news? Our God never gets frustrated because He always knows what's needed to put it all together just how it's supposed to be. I want us to develop a big confidence that even when we can't see it, even when it doesn't seem to make sense to us, God is working for the good of His people, the salvation of souls, and the glory of His name all the time. Point number two. We see the listening participation with the living Christ. So we, we see God at work in all these details. We can marvel at the story, angel of the Lord, Holy Spirit, directing chariot in the desert. We're not meant to only see that and sit back passively. We're also to see how Philip listened to God and participated in the story that King Jesus was writing for the good of this eunuch and the spread of the gospel to the nations. So now I want to, look through this passage again and say, where did Philip participate? Where did he listen and dive in? So in verse 26 again, King Jesus tells him to leave his successful revival and head to the middle of nowhere. Verse 27 gives us his response. And he rose and went. Now suppose the angel of the Lord was probably a helpful motivator. But I read this and thought, I want that kind of heart of obedience. Dave, go. (laughs) Okay. Where do you want me to go? So today today consider, where do you know that you need to obey Jesus and you've been dragging your feet? Maybe today would be the day you'd read this text and say, I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. Or verse 29, look at the Holy Spirit tells him to go and join the chariot that just happens to be passing by in the middle of nowhere and philip's response in verse 30 so philip ran to him and heard him reading isaiah the prophet or look at once he gets there what does he do he engages him notice he doesn't get to the chariot and go no further instructions anything else you want to tell me to do he gets to the chariot, he hears him reading, and he engages him. The Spirit doesn't tell him what to do once he gets there, exactly what to say. He just tells him, go to the chariot. So Philip runs obediently, and then he engages the eunuch with a question. If you haven't done this, I'd encourage you to. Questions often invite people to share more with you than you thought they ever would. Even at the coffee shop. Even at the line in the store. God is using all these providential moments if we'll lean into them and be awake to them. then in verse 35, Philip preaches the good news about Jesus. Philip knows the Bible and he unpacks for this eunuch the good news about the living Christ. And then in verse 38, Philip obeys the Lord's command to baptize this man. He baptizes him as a follower of Jesus with full access to the King of Kings. Philip knows that the gospel is available to all who will trust Jesus regardless of ethnicity or cultural status. And finally, after kind of the the cool part of the story is done, we think it is, then he gets whisked away. I don't know how. And the last we hear of Philip as the story ends is that he continues to preach the gospel. He doesn't preach the gospel, get his baptism done and go, well, that was a good day of work. He gets whisked away and he keeps working for the sake of the name of Jesus. I want us to see how Philip listened to King Jesus by the power of the Spirit, obeyed Him, and participated in the story King Jesus is writing. Are you amazed? Now, really ask this question. Are you amazed that we get to participate in the eternal plan of our God to seek and to save the lost? Like, you're a Christian because you heard about Jesus from somewhere. Someone told you about Jesus and the way this thing works. If you're going, oh, I just want to see God reach Lakeville and and Rosemont and Pryor Lake and Apple Valley and Farmington and Savage and Elko and Burnsville and Bloomington and Richfield. I just want to see God work in those places. God would say, wake up. Get to work for the sake of my name. We can't forget that this participation is flowing out of being devoted to the Word and prayer. He's in tune with the plan of God from the Word of God, and the same Spirit that wrote the Word of God is leading Him on this journey. So if Jesus is alive and working, and He means to lead us as we lean in and participate, are we listening? Are we listening? Are we in tune with Him in His Word? Do you know what His voice sounds like because you hang out with Him day by day? Are you listening in prayer? Do you go prayerfully throughout your day? Are you prayerful as you walk into work, even if work is just your pajamas in some room getting on a Zoom call? Are you prayerful as you walk into that coffee shop or go to that soccer game or that baseball game? Are you prayerful as you walk through your neighborhood? Have you ever had this experience where you have this kind of passing thought about someone to call them or to pray for them, but then you kind of forget and let it slip away? I had someone tell me a long time ago, don't let it slip away. Call them. Reach out to them. And you don't know how many times, just when that name comes for a second, I send a text or make a phone call or send an email, they go, you don't know what's going on. That's not me. I'm not that clever. I don't have a Rolodex of calls I'm going to make spontaneously during the day. And neither do you, but we don't need it because the Lord will lead if we're listening. Reach out to people. Engage people in your life with good questions. Now maybe you're thinking, this just sounds radical and out of control, so how do we, how do we start this? Let's just get really practical. Start prayer walking your neighborhood. Just get out in your neighborhood. It's nice out for a few months. And start walking around and asking God to to move and to work. Start reading and meditating on the Word. Start asking Jesus to show you who He wants you to speak to or what He wants you to do. That's not weird. (laughs) That's what it means to talk to someone who's alive and working and cares about the lost in your life. His Word tells us to ask for wisdom and guidance, to live in dependence on Him, to seek Him, to know Him. And yet how often we simply rush around trying to maintain the suburban craziness instead of resting in Him and praying. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom listening to this and thinking, I'm never even out in the world and I don't even have to get groceries anymore because I can get them delivered. Well, there are moments in your home God will lead you there are moments in your neighborhood, God will leave you. There are moments at that co-op, God will lead you. There are moments in that grocery store with that uh, delivery person, God will lead you. Are we awake to what God's doing? For our Acts ambition, which is this initiative we've had as we've gone through Acts, I've asked us to be praying for a handful of people that you know need to know Jesus. And I've asked you, even if it's just on your social media page, to begin to share the gospel more regularly. And so the question for us in light of this story today is just what's the next step? What's the next step of obedience? Who's the person maybe even right now coming to your mind? You just know needs to hear Jesus. There's someone. and If you don't know unbelievers, figure out a way to know unbelievers. (laughs) Right? We don't want to be a little holy huddle just in here. Figure out a way to get to know some unbelievers and begin to pray for them. On this Resurrection Sunday, we remember that our King is alive and is bringing new people from death to life all the time and invites us to participate. Are we ready to run (laughs) to the chariot and share the good news? And just a word if you're here today and you're more like the eunuch, uh, you've heard about Jesus. Like if you lived in America, you've heard about him, you've heard something about him. But you have questions like, why would I need him? My life seems okay without Him. I have what I need. I have power and money and a nice home and a good family. We take nice vacations. I've got a big fishing boat. I've got everything I need. Or perhaps you're on the other side and in light of all that kind of stuff going on around you, you go, I've messed up. I've messed up way too much for mercy. And for all of you, wherever you are, if you find yourself in the spot of the eunuch, I'm just imploring you to listen to this next point. From Isaiah 53, point number three, the life-giving proclamation of the living Christ. So what do we say? What's the message? Well, Philip starts in Isaiah 53, 7 to 8 to tell part of the story, but I wondered if perhaps he went on even to verse 10 in that same passage. Let me read Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 8, and then verse 10. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, stricken for the transgression of my people. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So the eunuch... Asks, and the whole world needs to know, what is going on in Isaiah 53? Who is this suffering one? And we see Philip unpack for him it's Jesus. This is Jesus. Well, what did he do? We well, made an offering for guilt. He was slaughtered like a lamb for our sins, he was struck down by his father for our sin, and yet he didn't open his mouth to defend himself. Can you imagine, in the culture we live in, someone not opening their mouth to defend themselves? He had done no violence and no deceit was in his mouth, and yet the Father crushed him instead of us. Why? That would be the next question (laughs) if you'd ask, why? That seems crazy. Because this was the only way. What the eunuch would have had to hear next is, we've sinned against a holy God. He probably had a taste of that from his time of worship in Jerusalem. We've thought we could do things our own way. We've done what he says not to do, even if just in our hearts. We've not done what he says to do. We've rebelled against the king of kings. and It's not just a struggle. It's treason against the Lord of lords and the king of kings. So before the foundation of the world, this is amazing. Before the foundation of the world, the Father and Son planned together that Jesus would come and live the perfect life. We could never live without any sin and die the death for sin. We deserve to die as the perfect sacrifice for sin. This is why I can say it was the pleasure of the Father That's the literal translation, the pleasure of the Father to crush the Son because together they had planned His slaughter for sinners that by His broken body and His shed blood, the price for our sins could be paid that we could never pay on our own. Jesus paid it all for the joy set before Him, the joy of going back to His Father and the joy of bringing many sons and daughters with Him. Can you believe that they planned it for you before the foundation of the world? But it doesn't end there in Isaiah 53. It says, He shall see His offspring. He shall prolong His days. Well, how in the world will a slaughtered lamb have offspring or prolong His days? The only logical answer is that He won't stay dead. He will conquer death by His resurrection. And the living Christ looks on us here now in Lakeville and sees spiritual offspring. He sees all those who by faith have become children of God in Him. He will live and reign forever, and we have eternal, abundant life in Him that starts now and will stretch into eternity where we will reign forever with Him no matter what's going on in your life. That is your deepest identity if you're in Christ. And the reason this matters so much is that the whole world knows deep down it has sinned against a holy God. Why do you think? Why do you think actually like the root, like if we, if we went beyond the Democrats and got to the root of why the world is looking for ways to make their sin okay and acceptable and hide it in shame or legalize it so we can all numb our collective consciences? What do you think is going on? They know they've sinned against the holy God like you knew you did and you came to Christ. That's what's going on. The whole world, because of this, is terrified of death and spends billions of dollars. Look up the numbers. They're staggering. Billions of dollars in cosmetics and hobbies to pretend like this isn't going to go away or to squeeze as much out of this life as it can right now. They're terrified of death. The whole world, we've seen this in the last year, longs for a perfect ruler, Savior, friend, who will never leave them or forsake them and make all things new and right and just. And they cling to so many imperfect leaders who fail them time and time again. Perhaps as I have said all those things, you realize that's me. I am terrified of death. I have been living trying to squeeze as much as I can out of this life, trying to put it off like it's not coming. Oh, how many in our neighborhoods need to hear this good news of Jesus and have true forgiveness from sin, true eternal hope of everlasting life, and a true ruler they can gladly submit to and obey. This is our message. If you think, well, the world doesn't care anymore, they're not listening to us, They've never listened until Jesus opens their eyes. This is our message. This has always been our message. This will always be our message. No matter the culture, no matter the times, this is the message that cuts through it all and meets the deepest longing of every human heart. This message. King Jesus still works through this message to seek and to save the lost. So let's move towards application. If you haven't yet trusted in that good news, we've been praying that today would be the day you would trust in Jesus to forgive your sins and have eternal life that starts right now. And for those of us that have trusted in Jesus, the good news is that in Him, by faith in Him, we have been made alive. And we can work for the sake of His name with resurrection hope. So I just want to end With two applications. First, right now I want you to take a moment and think of the most difficult things in your life right now the hardest things, the most painful things, the things that seem most dead and without hope. Maybe it's suffering, maybe it's your parenting. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances, your work situation, maybe it's your relationships, maybe it's sin. Whatever it is, the Lord knows it, so bring it, bring it to Him right now. This, this is the hardest, this is the worst, this is where I feel hopeless. Do you believe that if you're alive in Jesus, that He can bring about new life in that situation, that you can walk in new life, even in those hardest things? We just recited it, Romans 6, 4 says we are buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So baptism is this picture of our death to sin with Christ and then our new life with him. Romans 6.4 says we are raised up that we might walk in newness of life. What I love about the gospel that we don't talk about quite as much is yes, there's eternal life coming. Yes, that's good news. But that means walking now in newness of life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly now. Right? The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he came that we might have life and have it abundantly now that you might walk in newness of life. Now there is new life to walk in because of the resurrection power at work in you by the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to take a moment and ask God now to come and bring newness of life. Come and bring resurrection power to those hard and hopeless areas for His glory. Come and help you have an eternal perspective. Walk in hope instead of despair. There's so many counseling situations or hard situations in the church. More as a pastor, I just want to go you could, you could just see hope, you could just get a glimmer of how big God is and what the resurrection was like and that there's still resurrection power, if you could just get a glimpse, and maybe you're here today and you haven't had a glimpse like that for a long time, but there is that kind of resurrection power available for us to walk in newness of life. I just so want you to taste it this morning and ask for help to walk in it. Second, I want you to begin asking God to energize you with resurrection hope to actually participate in the work that our living, leading, and life-giving King is doing. In other words, what is your part in the story? And the answer cannot be, I don't have one. Not if you're a Christian. It can't be, I don't have one. We should be hopeful, hospitable, happy, and happy. And humble people who are always seeking to do the work of the Lord. Why? Why do I say hopeful, hospitable, happy, humble? Because there's nothing up for grabs for us, ultimately. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. We will be with Jesus forever because our King is alive and has raised us up. And in Him we will never die. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 56 to 58, he says, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, sit in your home on your lazy boy and watch him work. No. Obviously, lazy boy is not a new translation. Right? Therefore, because of that, My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that because of the resurrection, because of your victory, your labor is not in vain. The sting of death is gone for us because our sins have been forgiven. We don't have to live anymore for the joys and comforts of this life alone. I hope you know how deep that freedom is, especially in the place... We live. We are free to live and work for eternity. I just want to say it one more time. If you haven't trusted yet in Jesus, the sting of death is still coming for you. There is not lasting hope or joy for you right now. You will have to keep hoping for comfort in circumstances, good breaks in this life, But that's going to run out someday. Death is undefeated, (laughs) except for the Christian, where it's always defeated. But if you want everlasting hope and joy that doesn't wear out, that doesn't turn on an election, that doesn't turn on all the other things that we've learned that we hope in so much, you can come to Jesus right now and join us. He would say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So church, We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. We have the victory. It is secure. Therefore, as those who believe our Savior is still alive and working, let us, going into this year where it seems the controversy is only going to get turned up, it's not going away, let us be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that even when it seems like it is, our labor is not in vain. He is always leading providentially, and he is eager for us to listen and participate by sharing the life-giving good news of Jesus. Jesus paid for our sins with his death, and then he conquered death by his resurrection once for all. There is nothing up for grabs. We are alive in him and called to participate in this great story he's writing for the good of his people, for the salvation of souls to the nations, and always for the glory of his name. Let's pray together. So Father, we're going to come now to Your table to eat and drink with You. And we can come with boldness to Your throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that as we eat and drink, we would do so with fresh resurrection hope. We eat and drink and we remember Jesus in this meal proclaiming His death until He comes again and He's coming again because He rose again and conquered death and He ascended to the right hand of His Father and the next time He comes it won't be on a, a foal of a donkey, it'll be on a warhorse. to put all sin and evil in its place, to make all things new, to wipe away every tear from the eyes of those who have trusted in Him. And because of that reality, we can be steadfast and movable, abounding in the work of the Lord. So, Lord, right now we bring our, our despair before you. We bring our anxiety before you. We bring our depression before you. We bring our diseases before you. We bring our sinful secrets before you. We bring our addictions before you, Lord. We bring, we bring it all before you. And We say, Lord, help us walk in newness of life. We want to walk with you.